Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello, Clear Choices listeners. We are going to do something different today. Today, I don't have a guest, but rather I'm going to answer some of your questions. I have on my comment section in the portals for my podcast, on my website, on my Facebook page, I've had uh, a number of questions that people have asked me, so I've selected you know, four or five of them that I thought were unique and worthy of addressing in a, in a larger context, and so I'm going to make an episode out of it. So haven't come up with a name for this. I don't know if it's our mailbag episode, et cetera, but we're going to talk about some of the specific clear choices that some of you are um, facing. So with no further ado, I'm going to just dive into the first question. And the first question comes from uh, Chrissy in Georgia. And she says that time management is a big issue for her and that you know she always has good intentions and big goals and things that she wants to get done, but she always feels like there's too much on her calendar. So uh, the first thing is I want to commend you for you know, tracking things on your calendar and what you're getting done, what you aren't. Uh, There's a saying that I've heard many times in the business world, and that is, if it doesn't exist on your schedule, it doesn't exist at all. And I think that's the first truth. So you got to give yourself a pat on the back for scheduling and being aware of all the things that you want to get done. Because many people say they have a goal, whether it's a financial goal or it's a weight loss goal or it's a start a business by such and such a time or go back to school by such and such a time. But if they're not putting things on their calendar that allow them to take the actions that they need to take in the proper order in time to hit a certain goal by when or by a certain date, they're kind of doomed uh, from the start in terms of their ability to have success at that. So first of all, congratulations for booking things on your calendar because that is is the first critical uh, activity that needs to happen. I think the next activity that needs to happen once you're putting things on your calendar and tracking whether you're achieving them or not is focusing on the things that are most important. So there's all kinds of references for this. You know, many of you have maybe heard of the 80-20 rule where 20% of your activities yields 80% of the results. First of all, that's true. Sometimes I think it might be a 90-10 rule might be more appropriate. But ultimately, that comes down to a question of prioritizing. Are you making the right choices around what the priorities need to be in order to most succinctly and powerfully get you to your goal? So number one is, calendaring things and blocking time, blocking time out for the activities that you know will most likely lead you to your goal. And then secondly is prioritizing properly because you can't put everything in your calendar or 
you know, invariably, if you put too much in your calendar, then you stretch yourself too thin, you feel frustrated, you feel like you're not achieving your goal, it gives you an excuse to give up because you're feeling overwhelmed or overloaded, etc. So, so prioritizing is really critical. And there's many ways I would go about prioritizing, but, you know, I'll use something simple. And that would be like the idea of weight loss. Like, hey, I'm, it's now the month of March. I'm going to a wedding in May and I want to lose 10 pounds by then. Okay, so now we work backwards. I have eight weeks. I need to lose a pound and a half a week. I'm making this all up. Okay, you know, what's my calorie intake right now? Uh, what do I need to reduce my calorie intake by and how much more calories do I need to burn via exercise? to ensure that I'm going to lose a pound and a half a week. And that can all be calendared and tracked, exercise and food intake, and you can reach that goal. That's a, that's a doable goal. So the same is true of your business or even your relationships or your health or anything that you have a goal around or everything, anything that is important enough for you to be calendaring, I think can be tracked in the same way or thought about in the same way. So I bring up that weight loss thing as a perfect metaphor for anything it is you want to accomplish. And the reason weight loss works really well is because it's pretty scientific. You know, we know that 3,500 calories equals a pound of fat. So if you want to lose a pound, you have to have a deficit of 3,500 calories. Uh, That's hard to do in a day uh, in a healthy manner. So you have to stretch that over time. So maybe you're doing 500 calorie deficit a day. You know, that means a pound in a week. So that's kind of doable. So you can, you can structure weight loss in a way that's, I'm um, not saying it's easy, but it's simple. And so the same, I would say, can be held to be true for a financial goal or a business goal or an educational goal or even a relationship goal. And what I mean by a relationship goal is if someone says, you know, A, I want to be in a relationship and I'm not in one now, or I have this lacking in my current relationship or we have this problem in our current relationship. Okay. I want to fix it. Like, so maybe it's okay. We're going to sit down and put in our calendar that, you know, once a week, twice a week, three times a week, we sit down for an hour once a week, twice a week, three times a week, we don't watch television or use media or, you know, we do an activity together. We're going to start golfing together or we're going to start doing arts and crafts together or whatever that is scheduling properly with the right focus and the right priorities and then tracking whether what you've scheduled is giving you, yielding you a result can be a super effective way to get anything done. So, so back to your specific question, Chrissy, that sometimes you feel overwhelmed that you can't get everything done in your schedule. A, you can choose to be okay with not getting everything done, particularly if you're prioritizing the most important things. And if you're getting the most important things done that are leading you towards success in your one, two, or three top goals and objectives, then it's okay if not everything gets done because eventually you will reach some of the objectives. Some of those activities might fall away or change and it'll allow for more room on your calendar for the next thing. So I would say if you're feeling overwhelmed, prioritize correctly, track it, you know, if it lives in your calendar, then it has to get done. It has to be either executed or moved to another date until it is executed. 
and then maybe reduce the number of things on your calendar, removing the least important things so that you're, you know, focused only on the most important things. So hopefully that, that helps. Okay. Next question is Amy from Arizona says that sometimes her decision-making, she has a hard time deciphering between what's logical and what makes sense and her emotions or feelings about certain things. And so, you know, we all have feelings. I get this, you know, we're all clouded sometimes by anger or fear or uh, anxiety or, or, or some kind of emotion that is normal. And a saying that often stays with me is one that says, Hey, we are not our emotions. So while it's true that we all have emotions, those emotions and feelings aren't actually who we are. They don't define us. I think, you know, not to uh, capitalize on the name of my show, but I think we're more defined by our choices than we are by our feelings. Our feelings come and go. Uh, We can be scared for a moment because someone ran up behind us and there was nothing to be afraid of. And so that, that feeling of fear or being startled goes away very quickly because it wasn't a valid emotion or it wasn't truly something we needed to be fearful of. So not that we don't listen to that, not that we don't need to process our feelings, but ultimately we are not defined by our feelings unless we allow them to overtake us. But I think we are far to a, to a greater extent, we are defined by our choices and what we choose to do with our time, what we choose to do you know, with who we spend time with, what we choose to focus on, what we choose to read, what we choose to consume, watch, put in our mouth, etc. cetera. So uh, I think those things define us much more than our feelings. And all of us are impacted by our feelings, some to a greater extent and some to a lesser extent. But I find it very comforting to think of it in that simple way that I'm not my feelings. And that, that idea or that, that example I use of being startled by someone and that feeling of fear that you have is not a true emotion, meaning you didn't have something to actually be afraid of. And I think a lot of us live that way in our life to some extent you know, we're afraid of things, you know, the economy or what someone's going to say or this, that, and the other that don't truly exist or haven't truly impacted us. Now, I will say that on the other side, you know, emotions are good things because they are reminders or triggers or warnings potentially of things that we should be making good decisions around. So I'm not suggesting we don't listen to them, but I think they need to be somewhat separated into different buckets when we're making choices. So, you know, on the one hand, you have your logical component to a decision where you can, um, like I described in the answering the previous question where, you know, you can almost scientifically look at like, well, what are the odds? What's been, what's happened before? What's the evidence? Does that line up with where I want to go? What my goals are. And then secondarily, you have to take into account you know, your emotions in the sense of, hey, is this going to be too hard on me? Is this going to cause me too much stress? Do I have too much resistance? Why do I have resistance? What do I need to be listening to and my intuition? As I've said many, many times on this show, I'm always surprised 
by how big of a role intuition plays in even the most successful people's outcomes, um, whatever it is, whether it's overcoming a challenge or starting a business or creating, generating some kind of success. So we don't ignore those emotions, but I think it's important to, to answer your question ultimately, Amy. I think it's important to understand you know, what's real and what's not. And is this just a feeling I'm having that will pass or that I can better understand by looking at the data? Or is this a feeling that I'm having that I need to listen to on a really deep level because it's telling me something about this choice I'm making? So I hope that helps. Uh, I know that got a little philosophical, but it's not an easy question to answer. It's not, it's not easy to separate ourselves from feelings. And then those feelings, it's not easy to separate those feelings from impacting our choices. So, so that's my answer. Okay, so Callie in Oregon says she uh, has a hard time saying no. She has the disease of pleasing, to use her words. So this kind of is um, connected in a lot of ways right back to what uh, we were talking about with time management. First of all, let me just say, no can be the most empowering word you ever use. So sure, you know, in the workplace, when your boss, assuming you have a boss, says, hey, can you do this by such and such a date? You know, saying yes is usually probably in your best interest. Or if you're an athlete on a sports team and your coach says, I need more of this or less of that, you know, saying yes, I can do that is probably a good thing, ultimately. But when you're putting too much on your calendar, back to the time management question, then you're, you're losing control or input on your own life. You're saying yes to everything that's coming to you from the outside, and you're not choosing what it is that's important to you. So I think this inability to say no sometimes for people or this desire to please for some people kind of takes away a little bit of your own sense of self-empowerment or destiny uh, where you're responding to the emails and you're responding to the texts and you're responding to the phone calls rather than taking time and saying, no, this is not on my priority list. So, and choosing what is on your priority list. Now that requires one doing a deep enough introspection so that they know what is a priority for them. So one needs to put in that time, but assuming you've done that or assuming you're willing to do that, and I'd say put it on your calendar and schedule some quiet time to do some reflection and goal planning and goal setting, that will really inform you on what you might want to be saying no to, but, uh, or not, but, but, and, uh, when I do business planning clinics and some of the teaching and coaching that I do. I give the example, um, maybe some of you have heard of Stephen Covey's Four Quadrants. And so, you know, this is a, this is a podcast, so I can't give you the visual, but I'm going to describe the visual, Callie, and I think this might help you with your question. Take a piece of paper and draw a line down the middle and then a line across. So you have, you have four equal squares. So the upper left square uh, we're going to call that quadrant one. The upper right square is quadrant two. The bottom left is quadrant three. And the bottom right is quadrant four. And so quadrant one is what I call, or what it, Stephen Covey calls, urgent and important. 
So these things that are, these things are urgent because they're happening to you right now. Like someone walks up to you and says, I have a lead for your business, or I have an opportunity for you that is exactly in your most important area of your life, whatever that might be. So that's urgent and important. It's in alignment with your goal and it's happening in the moment, urgent. So that that is an opportunity that you want to act upon. Quadrant two would be important, but not urgent. Well, what's important, but not urgent. If you're, if your goal is to make an extra $50,000 this year in your small business, then the most important things are what can you do to build that business? What activities are required to build that business? Is it lead generation? Is it marketing? Is it networking? And those would be the things in quadrant two that are important, but not urgent, meaning they're not happening now, but rather they require your discipline and self-focus to have occur. So that would be in quadrant two. And I would argue that quadrant two is the most important of all the quadrants. Why? Because it requires self-discipline and self-monitoring and self-tracking. So quadrant one are these important things that happen and that maybe fall into your lap or happening in the moment with or without your focus. Um, So you have to act on those because they're opportunities. Quadrant two are what you do to go create those opportunities. Quadrant three now, bottom left, are things that are urgent but not important. So what might that be? That might be someone walking up to you at the water cooler at work and going, hey, did you see the basketball game last night? It's urgent because that person is talking to you or they've walked into your office and interrupted you while you're on the phone or working on a report. But the information that they've come to talk to you about, in this case, a basketball game, is not helping you toward your goals. So it's urgent, but not important. And then the last quadrant, and Kelly, if you're spending a lot of time here, you know, we have bigger fish to fry, is not urgent and not important. So that's literally like, hey, I need a break. I'm, I'm playing words with friends. I need to mentally check out. That would be urgent, not important. So again, quadrant one is urgent and important. These are the things that someone walks into your office and they go, I've found the thing that's going to launch your business. You're going to have that conversation. It's urgent and important. It's, it's worth interrupting other things for that. Second one, important but not urgent. That's the self-disciplinary activities we have to take that will move us towards a goal. Quadrant three is urgent, but not important. Those are the things we need to say no to back to your question. And quadrant four, not important, not urgent. We always need to be saying no to that. So I think Callie, if you start structuring the things that are happening in your life in those four quadrants, it'll help you figure out what to say no to. I hope that helps. Okay. We have a few more. I am going to go with Brian from Arizona. And Brian says, I have accumulated some wealth. I've built some wealth, but most of it has been just simply because I have bought a home and I've saved money in a 401k through my work, but I'm not really feeling very purposeful about building wealth. How do I make better choices around that? So great question. I think something that people struggle with or challenge with all the time. I I think in general, you know, American society puts a lot of emphasis on wealth 
and and on money and accumulation of wealth and and materialism, etc. And and by the way, it's important. It's important to be able to take care of ourselves. You know, possibly leave a legacy for our next generation and not be dependent on others, etc. So it's important in a lot of ways. And just like, again, I'm going to go right back to the weight loss example because it's such a simple one to frame for any other goal or objective that people are trying to accomplish. But I don't think there's many people that I come across that have a wealth building plan. So they might have a plan on how to make more money if they own a business, you know, how they're going to build that business or if they are on a career track at a firm of some kind or, you know, a medical or a lawyer or whatever it is that they're doing they they know how they're going to go about making more money, meaning how they're going to get a raise from hundred to 150 or how they're going to get more clients into the company and get a bonus or how they're going to climb the ladder somehow. So people might have an idea for that, but they don't necessarily, it's far less common that people have a, specific plan for building wealth. Like I'm going to put X amount of dollars per month in the financial portfolio bucket, and I'm going to put X amount of dollars per month away in the acquiring real estate bucket. And I'm going to put X amount of dollars away in the starting a business bucket or the gold and silver bucket or the, you know, long-term life insurance policy bucket, whatever it is, what I'm not, I'm not a financial advisor, so I'm not going to sit here and tell people on the show what they should be doing to build wealth. But I will say that no matter what strategy you employ to build wealth, I believe you need a plan. And so just like Chrissy's time management question, and just like Callie's how to say no to certain things question, and even to Amy who talked about keeping emotion out of her decision-making, I think you know building wealth um, requires time management and requires you to say no to certain things like spending too much, maybe like maybe driving an older car or you know spending less on going out to dinners or whatever so that you can achieve your financial goals. It requires those choices. So all this stuff is intertwined and related, and that's why you know I I remain so committed and passionate about the clear choices concept and mindset. Because all these things, all these great questions that you listeners sent in to me this last couple of weeks, they all hinge on and are related to making better choices or not better. I'm not saying anyone's making bad choices, but being conscious of our choices, making clear choices. So I think back to the, the money piece for Brian, it's about having a plan and it's about making choices of what what are you going to give up or what are you willing to do to hit your financial objectives? So, you know, it's pretty simple. You need to spend less. I mean, obviously the less you spend, the better and the more you earn, the better. So if we can make that relationship as inverse as possible, earnings up and spending down and all that, that delta between the two goes into savings, you know, now we are able to put money towards investments, which therefore will then build wealth. So I hope that's helpful, but I think to put it in a clear choices context, you know, there needs to be a plan around that relative to your income and relative to your spending and evaluating your choices around both. Where can I cut my spending? Uh, I just recently, I mean, this is a, you know, sounds like a small thing, but it adds up if you do it multiple times. 
you know, I switched kind of the way I'm consuming entertainment. So I went to more online type of vehicles and got rid of some of the more traditional vehicles. And it saved me $150 a month. My viewing options are not diminished really at all. It was a little bit of a hassle to change all those things out, but that's $1,800 a year. So that is, you know, that is money over the long haul that can be invested. So that would be my thought on that. And the last question comes from a John in Illinois, and he just talks about a strategy for goal setting uh, overall, did not give us specific to um, what type of goal setting we're talking about. And so, so what I would say about goal setting, what's really important about goal setting is I think, first of all, to work with the end in mind. So let's make it again, simple, but I won't do weight loss. Uh, I will, I will do a financial one since we just got done talking about financial. So let's say someone's goal is, you know, I want to buy a house by two years from now. And just to make it simple, you know, let's say this hypothetical person has zero savings. So I'm going to work backwards and go, okay, well, what type of home, what price point of home do I anticipate I'll be able to afford in two years? Let's say the answer is a $500,000 home. And let's say this person has good credit and, you know, they're going to need 10% down minimum, $50,000. So then you start working backwards. How much am I saving now a month? How much am I earning? How much am I spending? How much am I able to save? Is $50,000 saved in two years realistic? Oh, actually, I'm earning enough and spending little enough that I could save more. I could save $100,000 in two years, $50,000 a year. Fantastic. Let's make a goal of either buying a house in a year instead of two years by creating a plan around how we're going to save that money, uh, where we're going to put it, what we're going to do with it, when we're going to start touring homes. All this goes into a written business plan and also a also into your calendar. So it's a regular thing that I'm every every paycheck X amount goes into the house fund, for example. And I use that hypothetical for um, for John in Illinois as a way to work backwards on anything. Financial accumulation, hitting a certain objective, I want to get a master's degree by a certain amount of time. Okay, well let's let's work backwards. Okay. What schools can I qualify for? Uh, how many applications do I need to put out? What classes do I still need to take to add to my undergrad that will help me get into grad school easier, et cetera, and creating written plans that are logical and linear and can be calendared to get us towards any of those objectives. So I, I hope that's helpful. You know, I didn't have specifics over what kind of plan, but uh, as some of you might know or uh, might have noticed, I have a contest for anyone who um, can share and create likes and shares for the podcast on social media and can demonstrate to me. Uh, I am prepared to offer a free one-on-one Zoom call coaching session uh, with anyone who can uh, demonstrate that they've shared and gotten likes for the show. So that's uh, that's the mailbag uh, for this rendition of clear choices. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed that, found some value in it. I'd love your feedback on it since it's the first time we've done it. I'd love to know if it's something we should do again. I certainly enjoyed it and loved your questions, appreciate it. And I hope it all leads towards more clear choices for all of you. Have a great day. Thanks for listening. 
Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.